During this season, I'm preaching uh, lectionary passages. The lectionary is a Bible reading plan that's designed for churches to use in their worship services. And today I'd like to read from Acts chapter 7, starting at verse 55. Acts 7, verse 55. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So something this passage teaches us is that things are not always the way they appear. In other words, what's, what's going on behind the scenes in that mysterious realm where God is working out his plan, what's going on behind the scenes is much, much more than what meets the eye. Uh, Stephen, the man who's mentioned in this passage, was a leader in the early church. He was a member of a team of leaders in the church in Jerusalem who were in charge of distributing food to the poor, much as our diaconate is in, char- is in charge of ministering to people's needs. He was part of a team of leaders who, who worked to help to make sure poor widows in the church had enough to eat. Uh, we read earlier in Acts that Stephen was a, a person who was full of wisdom. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And it says he was full of God's grace and power. In fact, he, he was so full of God's grace that we even read that on occasion, in response to Stephen's par- prayers, uh, God would do things in people's lives that just seemed miraculous. So um, in this passage, we're, we're talking about a very godly person someone who had a, a close relationship with the Lord, someone who had a deep compassion for the poor and for, for the needy, someone who really honored Christ with his life. Now, in, in Acts chapter 6, we read that one day, Stephen was accused by enemies of the church, accused of a crime that he very clearly did not commit. He was, he was brought before the court. Um, there was just kind of a sham of a trial, never any real attempt at justice. And before, before Stephen was able to finish defending himself before the court, he was dragged outside the city and he was stoned to death by an angry mob. So that's what's taking place in this passage. This is, today we would call this a hate crime, right? Against an, an innocent person who was brutally murdered with the tacit approval of those who were in authority. That's what's happening in this passage. Now let me ask you a question. How does that appear to you? What I mean is if, if, if you were just looking on this situation as an outside observer, not knowing anything but what you see taking place, what conclusions would you draw about the world that we live in? Well, about the nature of, of reality? I'll, I'll tell you what I might conclude. If, if all I knew is what I can see with my eyes, I would conclude that evil people are in control of this world. I, I, I might conclude that you know God is not really concerned with the lives of, lives of his servants. I, I might conclude that prayer doesn't work. No one up there is listening, right? I, 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 might, I might conclude that it doesn't pay to live your life for God's glory. I might conclude that, uh, guys, we really don't have very much 
to hope for in this life. So those are the, listen, those are the things that we might conclude if, if all we knew about this event are those things that can be seen with the physical eye. But we learn from this passage, <laughs> things are not always the way they appear. There, there's, there's more going on behind the scenes where God is at work than we can perceive. As, as Stephen is being killed, we read here that he has, a, he has a vision. And in this vision, Stephen sees three things that are true about reality. And these things that he sees, they're true about reality, whether we can perceive them or not. Okay, so what did Stephen see? Well, the first thing he saw is that God is in control. Verse uh, 55 and 56 says, uh, But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now, I have no idea exactly what that looked like to Stephen, what it was he was perceiving. But what's clear is that what Stephen realized in this, in this moment is even though in this moment of time, it seemed like evil people had the upper hand in his life. What he realized is that the one who's really in authority over this world is God. In heaven, he saw the glory of God. And did you notice he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. In other words, right there in the center of, you know, the control room of the universe, he saw standing right there, Jesus. Who was Jesus to Stephen? Jesus was the person who loved Stephen so much he died on the cross for him. The person who loved Stephen so much that he died for him was standing at the right hand of God. Let, let me ask you a question, just to, uh, for fun. How, how would you feel? How would you feel if your best friend in the whole world were elected president of the United States? Yeah, I don't know how you'd feel. I would feel pretty good. I'd be thinking, you know, someone who really cares about me is is in the Oval Office. Someone who cares about me is in a position of authority. Now, let me ask you this question: How would you feel if the person the one person who loves you more than anyone, loves you more than your best friend, loves you more than your family, loves you more than anyone in the world. How would you feel if that person were bestowed, not just with the White House, but were bestowed with all authority in heaven and on earth? How would that make you feel? Here's why I ask that question. Believer, listen, that's what has happened. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, right, right you know, as he appeared to his, his disciples after his resurrection, here's what Jesus said to them, Matthew 28, 18. He said, all, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, believer, listen, the one who loves you more than anyone, the, love who, the one who loves you so much he gave himself for you is right now standing at the right hand of God. Your Savior is in control of this world. And this is what Stephen saw in this vision. Now, did you notice the moment that Stephen sees this, the moment he realizes that God is in control? What did Stephen immediately begin to do? We read that he began to pray. Verse, verse 59, he starts talking to the Lord. We'll, we'll look in a moment at what he said to the Lord, but it's, it's worth noting that he began to pray. Why is that worth noting? Well, up to this point, um, 
Stephen has been talking a lot, all right? In fact, Acts chapter 7 uh, is Stephen, basically the whole chapter is Stephen talking, and it's the longest speech in the entire book of Acts, all right? To me, it's a little bit tedious to read. It just goes on and on. And, and the whole time that Stephen is talking in, in, in Acts chapter, uh, no, it's earlier in Acts, it's all of Acts chapter 7, um, the whole time he's talking, he's talking to people. He's talking to the judge. He's talking to his accusers. He's talking to the onlookers. He's talking to the witnesses. He's The whole time he's talking to people. But the moment he has this vision and he realizes God is in control of this world, what does he start to do? He immediately stops talking to people and he starts talking to God. He begins to pray. Now, why does he do this? Because, listen, if you know God is in control... Well, who else are you going to talk to, right? You know, in, in, in the first few centuries of um, church history, back when the, 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 uh, the, the church was trying to hammer out the, the, uh, the classic creeds of the Christian faith that we, we still look to to this day, um, they, they, were, they would frequently gather councils, global councils, Christian leaders from all over the world to come together to decide what it is exactly that the apostles taught the church to believe. And uh, as, as they were doing this, as they were trying to understand for sure what the apostles had taught, of course, they would look to scriptures, they would read the writings of the apostles, but people could dispute the writings. So they would often ask, they, would, they had this one phrase that they would often say, and the phrase in Latin was this, lex orandi, lex credendi. Lex orandi, lex credendi, which means the law of prayer is the law of belief. In other words, the way you pray reveals what you truly believe. So here's how they would use that phrase. For example, they, let's say they were debating, and, and there were debates about, they were debating, did the apostles really teach that Jesus is God, that Jesus is divine? They would look to the, the writings of the apostles, and, and, and they, would, they would see what was said there, and then they would go, lex orandi, lex credendi. Did the, did the apostles teach that Jesus was divine? Well, well, the way you pray shows what you believe. How did the apostles pray? And they would say, you know, going back to the very early days of the church, we've always prayed to Jesus. The apostles taught us to pray to Jesus. Lex orandi, lex credendi. The way you pray shows what you believe. Therefore, you don't pray to someone unless you think they're divine. So the apostles taught that Jesus was divine. The way So that this, is, this was a... a um, a theological formula that they used in understanding what the apostles taught. The way you pray reveals what you really believe. Aha, let me repeat that. The way you pray reveals what you really believe. I, I think if you were to ask the average Christian in this country, do you, uh, do you believe that God loves you. They'd say, of course I believe God loves me. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, he gave his son, right? I believe that. And, and, and then you ask them, do you believe that God is in control of everything? They say, how dare you insult me with that question? I'm a Christian, of course. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe that God is in control. So you say, wait a minute, you believe that God loves you and you believe that God is in complete control. Let me ask you one more question. Do you pray like you believe that? You know, a lot of us would probably have to say, you know, no, I don't. 
See, the way you pray reveals what you really believe. If you really believe God is in, in control, you really believe he loves you. Oh, my goodness. Wouldn't you, you, you go to him in prayer. So, listen, I, 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 the reason I'm saying this, believer, is you, believer in Christ, you should pray that way. And I'll tell you why you should pray that way. Because God really does love you. I'm not just making this up. He gave his son for you. And, and, and listen, the one who loves you is the sovereign ruler of, the, of heaven and earth. So go to him in prayer. Run to him in prayer. Once, once, Stephen sees this, once Stephen sees the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, he immediately stops talking with people. He begins to pray. So what did Stephen see? First, he saw that God is in control. Second thing he saw... He saw that it was not the end for him. Now you say, wait a minute. I, I, thought, I thought we read here that Stephen dies in this passage. Doesn't he die here? What do you mean it's not the end? Well, yes, he, he does die. But did you know that, for, listen, for the believer in Christ, for those whose lives are united with Christ through faith, guys, death is not the end. So who, let me ask the obvious. Who, who does Stephen see standing um, next to the right hand of God. Well, he sees Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, who died, is risen from the dead. He sees Jesus, who died, risen from the dead. You know, Romans 6 verse 9 says, we, we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Death has no mastery over Jesus. Jesus conquered death. Now, what the Bible says is that since Jesus conquered death, death can no longer conquer those who are in Jesus, those who are in Christ through faith. It, can, it cannot. Romans 8 verse 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. John eleven twenty five. here's what Jesus said. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. So in this moment, um, as Stephen is being killed, he doesn't say, oh, this is the end. It's over for me. My life is done. That's not what he says. Verse, verse 59 says, it says, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. In the moment of his death, he entrusted himself into the hands of whom? Of the one who conquered death. In the earlier part of the 20th century, a very well-known preacher was a man named Donald J. Barnhouse. He was a pastor of a church in Philadelphia. And Reverend Barnhouse's wife died when they were both very young, leaving him with three children who were all under the age of 12. And uh, one day as, uh, well, the day of the funeral, Barnhouse was uh, driving his, his children to uh, the memorial service for their mother who had just died. And he's thinking to himself, how do, I, how do I help my little children who've just lost their mom in this moment? And as they're driving to the funeral, a big truck, a moving van, uh, passed their car. And as the truck went past, the shadow from the truck just kind of swept over the car. And uh, Barnhouse turned to his oldest daughter, who was next to him, and he said, Sweetheart, let me ask you a question. You saw how the shadow of the truck just swept over a car. 
let me ask you, honey, would you, would you rather be run over by the truck or be run over by the shadow of the truck? And she said, well, daddy, of course, I'd rather just be run over by the shadow of the truck. The shadow can't hurt us. And then Barnhouse turned to all his children and he said, kids, listen, your mother was not run over by death. She was only run over by the shadow of death. He said the real truck, real death, that hit Jesus 2,000 years ago. And now it can never, ever touch us. All that can touch us is just the shadow. Jesus said in John 10, verse 28, here's what he, he promised. He said, I give my sheep, meaning his people. He says, I give my sheep eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So, okay, back to the story. What did Stephen see? Well, what did he see? Besides the angry crowds, besides the stones that were being thrown at him, besides what you can see with your physical eyes, what did Stephen see? Well, he saw, first, he saw that God is in control. Then he saw that this was not the end for him, right? And then he saw that this was not the end for them. For whom? Well, for the people who were killing Stephen. This was not the end for them. You know, so sometimes, uh, sometimes we might meet or we might see somebody who um, their heart just seems so hard toward the Lord, right? Either by their behavior or by their attitudes or their words. They, they just seem like they are dead set against anything to do with God. And when you, when you see or you meet somebody like this, you know, isn't it sometimes just easy to dismiss them, kind of, you know, write them off, sort of as if you're assuming they're beyond the reach of God's grace. Oh, he, you know, he will never come to Christ. She will never turn, you know, turn back to the Lord. Never. You know, so it's easy to do that sometimes. And I think it would have been very easy to do that with these men here in Acts chapter 7. These were just, these were violent, hate-filled, cold-blooded murderers, right? But... You see what Stephen saw about these men? Verse 60 says, right, right before he died, it says he, it says he fell to his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. In other words, he prayed that God would forgive them. Now, of, of course, we know that from Scripture that for these men to receive God's forgiveness, they, they would need to repent of their, their rebellion against God and they would need to turn to Christ in faith. But, but Stephen seems to have no doubt that were these men to do, to do that, to turn to Christ, he had no doubt that these men had not done anything that, that was beyond the saving power of God's grace. He, he prayed for their forgiveness. Why did he pray for, for their forgiveness? Because listen, he knew God could forgive them. This was not the end for them. See, see, guys, you, you know, do you know this? The promise of the gospel is that anyone who turns to God in re repentance for their, their rebellion against him and, 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 and then places their, their trust in Christ, in the one who came to seek and save the lost, anyone who does this, listen, will be forgiven and accepted by God and adopted into God's eternal Family, that's a free offer of salvation. And, and the Bible says that free offer is for anyone. No matter what they've done, no matter how long they've been uh, rebelling against God, this is for anyone and for everyone. That's, it's a free offer of salvation. Now, um, 
advertisers would say it's a limited time offer, right? This offer of salvation, we should understand this. It won't go on forever. When After we die, we'll have anyone, we will have lost the chance to turn to Christ. But you know what? 2 Corinthians 6 says now, right now, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. If anyone who is still breathing can turn to Christ and be saved. So, you know, the question for all of us is, have, have you done that? Have you, have you turned from your sin and trusted in Christ for salvation? If, if you haven't, then what I would want you to know today is that right now, through me, listen, right now, the Father is inviting you to his arms. Right now, just say, come on, come on. So the, these men who, who killed Stephen, these were wicked men. You would agree with that. But Stephen, what Stephen saw is, no, it's not. It's not too late for these guys. It is not too late. In fact, you see this man, young man, Saul, who's mentioned in verse 58. It says, it says the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. If, if you read on in the book of Acts, this, this man, Saul, he goes on to become one of the most wicked people you read about in the entire Bible. I mean, just it's almost demonically wicked. He's, he's just driven by this hatred of Jesus and hatred of God's people. He persecutes the church. He, he drags men and women off to, to, to jail and to, and, and to their death. Uh, he becomes a very wicked person. And then, can you imagine? One day, in Acts chapter 9, Jesus appears to this man, Saul makes himself known to him. And, and Saul, uh, Saul responds by repenting of, of his, his life of rebellion. He trusts in Christ. And his, this guy, Saul, is transformed. He's, he's, in fact, he's changed so much, he changes his name. You know his name. He changes his name to Paul. This, this wicked man, Saul, after the grace of God reaches him, he becomes the apostle Paul, one of the godliest and greatest leaders in the church. So you just see here, no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. So what do we learn from this passage? Well, things are not, things are not always the way they appear. In the moment, this dark moment when Stephen is being killed, he, listen, he sees it's not the end for him, it's not the end for his killers, and he sees that even though it, it didn't appear this way, God was in control. Now, of course, the big question is if, if all right, if God, if God was really in control, why didn't he rescue his servant, Stephen? And, and all I can say in answer to that is I, I don't fully know. None, listen, let's not pretend. None of us fully understands the mysteries of God's providence, the mysteries of, of God's plan. But what, what we do know is if, if you read on in the book of Acts, here's what you discover. Immediately after Stephen was martyred, persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. As the result of, of this persecution, the Christians in Jerusalem were driven out into their surrounding uh, country and the surrounding provinces. Ba basically, they were scattered throughout that part of the Mediterranean world. And everywhere they went, they took the good news of Jesus with them. And churches began to appear. All well, just, what, what was a local movement becomes an international movement, and hundreds Thousands of people are brought out of the, the realm of darkness into the kingdom of God's light as a result of Stephen's death. In other words, what you find as you read on is what, what the enemy, listen, what the enemy meant for evil, God used for good 
for his eternal good. And what I would tell you, believer in Christ, you can have the very same confidence, all right, that, that, um, that really hard things that happen in your life, God is at work. God is using them for, for your good and for his glory. Why, why can you have that confidence? Well, I'll tell you this. Listen, think of it this way. Believer, if God loved you enough to send his son to die in your place, you can assume that God has good intentions for you. Would you agree with that? And, and if God was powerful enough to raise his son from the dead, you can assume that God is powerful enough to work in your situation as well. Right? In other words, you can assume that God's intentions are good. You can assume that God's power is in control. You, you can assume that no matter what's going on in your life right now, Things are not the way they appear. God is at work for good. Would you, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that um, the dying words of our brother Stephen teach us undying truth about who you are and what you're doing in this world and in the lives of your people. And we pray that what we learn from this passage, that your Holy Spirit will apply it to the needs of our heart, for the glory of your name, and for our joy in you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.